stand to your feet and let's do our declaration. Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5. Let's go one, two. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my heart to hear as the Lord. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Father God, I just thank you for your word. You said your word will never return to you void. That is what I expect this morning from you. Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Hide me behind the cross. Let you be seen. Let you be lifted up, Jesus so that all men will be drawn to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we started the deliverance series, and I made it very clear here that once you are born into this world, whether you like it or not, you are in a warfare. You have no choice about it. Once you are born, you belong, you just come into a warfare. And then that warfare, at that time you are born, is for the enemy to try and keep you in his kingdom for the rest of your life, never know about God, never give your life to the Lord, and then when you pass from this earth, you stay with him in hell for eternity. And then God, on the other hand, who made you in his image and likeness, and starts to woo you, starts to pull the strings of your heart, tries to sense people your way to somehow open your heart to see him, and then one day you see him. One day you understand what he's all about. One day you receive Jesus into your heart. And then God transfers you. The Bible says he translates you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And you become saved. The war actually becomes intensified at that time. Because now the enemy wants to make sure that you are as ineffective for God as you can ever be. And so he brings things your way. He uses things. He uses things from your past. He uses people. He even uses yourself. So try and make sure you don't fulfill your purpose. We talked about that last week. And then we talked about how in this warfare, the enemy wants to make it invisible. The war we are fighting is not with flesh and blood. And this war we are fighting is not where we are right now. I made you see that there are heavens, there are three heavens at least that we know. And the Bible says when Christ rose from the dead, God raised him and put him far above every principalities and powers. Because the Bible tells us there are principalities and powers in heavenly places that are fighting us. God puts all our blessings in the same heavenly places. But Jesus said, he says when God, the Bible says when God raised Jesus up and put him up above far above principalities and powers, then in Ephesians it also says that we, when we got saved, he raised us up with Christ and placed us with Christ in that same position, far above. And so we have power, we have authority, we've been given the keys of hell, the, king, uh, the keys to heaven, the keys of hell, everything God gave it to us. And I said those keys, we have to use them. You just don't have keys to keep or just hold on. You have to use the keys to open doors. And sometimes those doors are doors in your life that the enemy has gone in and locked up. And you need to open those doors and say, you know what, get out of my life. So we talked about that a little bit last week. Also talked about how do you know 
if there's a, demo, a devil or an evil spirit or a demon operating in your life. We are not people who are... The Bible says the people of God, they perish because of lack of knowledge. On the one hand. But we don't want, on the other hand, to see the devil or a demon on everything we do. You don't want to be that way because you will be crippled all your life because everything is a demon. Oh, it's a devil, it's a devil. Oh, cast the devil out. So we are going to today talk one. Number one, we're going to talk about the ministry of Jesus. How Jesus operated while he was here on earth and how he dealt with demons and evil spirits. And then we are going to talk about a very, very important subject which is our flesh. The carnal nature that we all have even as a born-again Christian, and how to overcome that, because even if you get delivered from something, and your flesh has not been put to subjection, your flesh has not been crucified, as the Bible says, you are still going to leave the door open for not only the demon that left before, but for him to bring his brothers and sisters and cousins, and second cousins and fifth cousins with him. So that is the most important thing today for you to take home, how you must overcome the flesh. And it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. Jesus wants us to make heaven. Jesus wants us to fulfill our purpose for him. So he doesn't make anything hard. He makes a way for you. But the thing is sometimes we take the wrong exit. Instead of making a U-turn, we just keep going. He always makes a way. He always tells you, okay, you've done that. It's all, here, take this turn here. Make a U-turn and come back to the road. But sometimes we are just like, oh, maybe there's another way for us to go. Some of us that had husbands, I don't have mine, it's gone now. But you know how it is, so there's another exit we can do. And then before you know it, you are like 300 miles away from where you're supposed to be going. Mark 1, to 27. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him, and cried out with a loud, loud voice, he said, out of him. He came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. You have to realize this was at the very beginning. This was Mark 1, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. In the Old Testament, People had been raised from the dead. In the Old Testament, people had been healed. They had had different miracles in the Old Testament, but never once in the Old Testament has there ever been seen where a demon was taken out of somebody. So this was a new thing for them in the synagogue, in the church. But listen, I want there are some points here I want to bring out. The man that had the demon was in the synagogue, was in the church came to church every Sunday or however their Sabbath was. But he had an entity, he had another person inside of him. If that man was here today, 
He probably will tell you, I came to the synagogue every Sunday, every Sabbath. I served the Lord. I followed the laws of Moses. I washed when I was supposed to wash. I did everything I was supposed to do. The Ten Commandments I followed closely. But I don't know what it is. There's something. I can't put my hand on it. I can't figure it out. But there's something. He could, if he was here today, he would tell you that. But when Jesus came into that synagogue that day, that man received his freedom. When the word came in, Jesus is the word of God. When the word came in, that man received his freedom. The word of God is here today. Jesus is here today. And whatever evil spirit has been hiding, maybe you've been in church years and years and years, but you're just like, I don't know what else to do. But I'm going to go keep serving God. I'm not going to quit going to church. I want to tell you, congratulations. Today is your day. The word of God has come to you today. He cried out, saying, let us alone. One man, he became us. How, how does that happen? He cried out, but when he spoke, he said, let us alone. Demons don't go, they are not single. Demons are married, and when they are married, they come with their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Remember the man that was in the graveyard that Jesus went to, and Jesus asked, how many are you? And he said, we are a legion. In every situation, in almost all situations, we are not dealing with just one demon. There are other things that are there. There are other things that are there. That's the point I want to bring. Because we want to look at the ministry of Jesus. See what Jesus did. See what the Bible tells us. So that when we are helping people, because I believe this church is going to be a place that people are going to be coming to for help. Since I started this series just one week, I can't even begin to tell you the number of calls I've gotten. For people wanting to book an appointment to come in and see me to be helped. And that is good. That is what we want. We are here to help people. And I'm going to be training some of you. We'll have a Saturday here where we'll have a seminar. I mean, God has given me a whole lot more where I can teach you so that you know how to administer this deliverance and let us set people free. Amen. And if it's in us, if there's something in you that you think, not that you think, that you know, that you're wondering, why, can I, why can't I be that Christian that I want to be? If you're not sure, let's just pray. And get whatever it is out. Because I know that everyone that is sitting right here, you want to be the best you can for the Lord. We all want it. And he wants it for us. So he says, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? This devil recognized Jesus before his apostles did. Remember further down? Is when Jesus was asking them, what are people saying about me? Some said you are Elijah. Some said you are Moses. He said, what do you? Some of them were, whatever, it was Peter that says, you are the Christ. This was way before then. So the, Satan knows what you have in you. That you might not even know you have. 
The power that is on the inside of you, he knows it. But do you know it? You see? The devil realized this is Jesus and he's come to torment us. He's come to drive us out before our time. Who are we now on earth? Who do we represent? That's who we represent. So when the devil see you, even the one in you, he's so scared. But do we know who we are? Do we know what we carry? I told you last week, I said, if you know the goods you carry, you walk with confidence. It's not pride. You just know who you are. And you walk in that confidence. And when they see you, you don't even have to say a word. They're already scared because they know when you appear, it's time for them to go. Their trespassing days are over. In your life. And in your family's life. Jesus, did you come to destroy us before our time? I know who you are. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. What some of them do, they want to have conversation with you to distract you. The only thing you should do when you're casting out a demon is to ask them to identify themselves. Once they've done that, they've identified themselves, begin to cast them out, and if, if the person is not able to talk more, or would start to cast everything by the power in you, tell those ones that are hiding, those ones that are trying to hold this one back, start using the fire of God and telling all of them to leave. Because what they would do from experience, they would start lying to distract you. They would say, maybe you did something. Oh, did you not do this? It's a lie. Who is that? He, he's the father of lies. And if you're not careful, if you're not experienced, when they do that, you get. So when they just tell them to shut up and come out, that's what Jesus says. He said, be quiet. I come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed the man and, and he cried out with a loud voice. We see that all the time. And it's not something, you know, like I said last week, pride can Pride is hurting us. Pride is hurting us. Trying, trying to be dignified and look cute is hurting the body of Christ. You know there is something wrong, but you don't want people to know. But when you're at home and this thing is dealing with you, you are being tormented. I, will, I, I don't care if... I mean, I will be dignified afterwards. We actually had a lady that came to church here at one time during deliverance. The things came out and a lot of things happened. And because certain people were there, she was so embarrassed, never came back to church. I'm like, excuse me, God delivered you and you abandoned him? God set you free? You should be rejoicing, coming up here and telling people, you know, I was serving God. I'm like this man in the synagogue. I didn't even know I had this thing in me. But when the man of God, the woman of God spoke, it came out and I'm free and I thank the Lord for it. She was ashamed. When you should be rejoicing. So if there's anything, don't be ashamed. Pride leads to a fall. When you, when you are ashamed, you've given the devil a foothold. Let it go. What can they say? That she, she had a demon? Okay, you tell me you don't have a demon. Who doesn't have a demon? Who doesn't have the nature of Adam? It's just because it's not been addressed. That's just the truth. When I go to the flesh, talk about the flesh, we see the struggle we have. The en- when the Bible says the enemies of a man's house 
Or the enemies of a man are in his own house. Which house do you think he's talking about? Your own house. Inside of us, we all have a traitor. Inside of us, we all have a Judas. That's the one that's like talking to the enemy, wanting to make sure he, the enemy gets a foothold. We all have it. So there's no point trying to be, I'm holy, I'm, no. My dear, let's tell God who we are. Let's be open to the Lord. I told you all what I had to do. For myself, I'm your pastor. Mark 1, verse 32 to 34. At the evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And listen again, that's a principle again, and he did not allow the demons to speak. Because they knew him. You ask the question, let them identify themselves. He always asked the demons in most cases to identify themselves. And then he told them to leave. But don't have a conversation with a demon. Don't do that. Don't do that. So you can see, it was not just in that synagogue. He was also doing that in his home. He was also doing that wherever he went. And I'm going to read Luke 40. Oh no, Mark 139. That's one I want to read there. Mark 139. And he was preaching in their synagogues. So he was going from church to church. Throughout all Galilee. And what was he doing? So why are we why don't we talk about this? Why don't we do this? Because it's not pretty, right? He was going throughout all the churches in Galilee, and there were, I think when I did my, I, I think it was about 170 or so in that region, synagogues that he was going to, at least from the Bible, what it says here, he was preaching throughout all. So he was going from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue to synagogue, and his main thing was casting out demons and healing the sick. And preaching the word. That is the complete gospel. We can't pick and choose what we want to talk about. We have to preach the full, the whole gospel. So demons were not rare in those days. It was not an ex- exceptional thing for Jesus to cast out demons. And it's, those demons didn't leave after Jesus left. They are still here. They are still here. And they are still in the synagogues. So the ministry of healing, the ministry of casting out demons must also go with the preaching of the word. They must all go together. And Luke 13, verse 31 to 32. He says, on that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. If you read earlier on, he was doing the same thing, casting out devils, healing the sick. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today, tomorrow, and the third day until I am perfected. It's like a slang, that word, today, tomorrow, until I'm perfected. It's a slang that means 
today, tomorrow, and ongoing. So Jesus didn't expect the casting out of devils to end in his time. In fact, when he sent out the 12 uh, disciples in Matthew 10, 1, I'm going to do quite some scriptures today so that we can have this foundation settled and know what we are doing to know that we are backed up by the scriptures. In Matthew 10, 1, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to do what? To cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. And further down in verses 7 and 8, he says, As you go, preach saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and what? Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So that was the twelve apostles. Then let's look at what he told the seventy. In Luke 10, I'll read verse 1, and then I'll go to 17 and 19. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and the place where he himself was to go. Verse 17 says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing means nothing. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Those seven, they were not too excited about, maybe not as excited about preaching the word, maybe not as excited as seeing the, the sick healed. What they were most excited, was, excited about was the fact that they could cast out devils. And Jesus said, yes, I knew you did it because I saw him falling. You remember, he's in the heavenly places. And when you cast them out, guess what? They fall from there. And they become homeless. They, you, you, you cast them into the abyss. And that's what they hate so much that they don't want to be exposed. Like I said last week, when you do warfare and you do deliverance, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth clashes. And you expose what is in the invisible realm. You bring it down here for everybody to see how ugly, how bad, and the evil they can do to people. And he will do everything to make sure we don't expose that. Because you are casting them out, you are casting them out from, from their heavenly places where they are. Where they want to hide and do all their evil in a silent and quiet and an invisible way. We cannot allow that. For those that know now, we cannot allow that. If you have something in your life, take care of it. And then let's go out and do some warfare. We cannot, I mean, we have been sitting, we have been fed, we know the word of God. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with what we've known? This is an area we can help people. Can you imagine a 12-year-old wanting to kill themselves? A family. Wife overdosed, I believe. One was in a car accident. Then the father committed suicide and left only the girl, the daughter, in a space of two years, I think. You tell me how that can be good. 
How does a 12 year old know they want to die? To want to kill themselves by overdose. What will lead a 12 year old to want to kill themselves? For their whole life, their whole future, the plans God had for them. Because of a demon? I don't know about you, but I'm angry. Because I know we have what it takes. It's like, what else can Jesus, what else can he do for us, the Christians, to come out of our closets? Everybody's coming out. They're not embarrassed to tell you, I'm bisexual, I'm gay. I'm this. Nobody's ashamed of it. And if you say it's not a good thing, they follow you. And then we Christians were just like, eh. I mean, what else, do, what, what, what would get us off our, off, off our seats? Prayer, I mean, if you saw the prayer we prayed here on Friday, and I told God, I said, God, I apologize that as a church, we will come here before and sit down and be playing soft music, some fall asleep, and we say we are praying. No more prayer like that. When we come here to pray, the heavens, we know we've been here. Hell, we know we've been here. God, we know we've been here. And me, you, we know we've been here. This is not the time to play games, people. The Bible, when it says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few, God doesn't use words carelessly. When he says few, it means few. When he says few are those that find the way, he's not saying just few just to make you scared. Few. And we better wake up and make sure we're among those few. There were ten virgins. Only half of them made it. Only half. And God said in the Bible, he says he will allow the weed the tares and the wheat to grow along together. He said, don't pull it, don't pull it, don't pull it. Leave the tares alone. They appear like they are wheat. They appear like they have some substance, substance in them. They appear that they have the real thing. But they are empty, they are just tares. They are weed. But he said, don't, don't approve them yet. Let them grow up together. He says, the time will come when we will separate them. When he will say to the sheep, go here. And then the goats, go here. May we never be goats in Jesus' name. May we never be tares in Jesus' name. After the 70, he gave us a great, the great commission before he went to heaven. In Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. What was the first sign? Read it. Read it again. Maybe it's my Bible that has that. That's the first sign that he talked about. In my name they will cast out demons. He talked about that before talking about speaking in tongues. And the serpent is talking about there, 
is even if you take that devil and he wants to harm you, you they, won't, they, won't, they can't do anything to you. Because serpent represents the devil too. Drinking any deadly thing and wanting to hurt you, that's from the enemy. So pretty much everything there, except for speaking in tongues, everything there has to do with the devil. Casting out devils, taking up serpents, drinking things, trying, they're trying to hurt you. Laying hands on the sick is, is the, the positive one. And then God says, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. But here you are, he's told us, cast out demons, take up serpents. If they try to do anything to you, give you stuff, whatever, it will not mishurt you. So he's given us the authority. He's told us what to do. And he's given us the power and the authority to back it up. That is what he said. Right after this, he was translated, he went to heaven. And that is what we are supposed to be doing. He made no provision for that to stop. We should still be doing that today. And that commission has been transferred now to me and to you. To do those things. Now, last week, I talked about how you can know in your life or in the life of others, I listed ten things. How to know when a demon or an evil spirit is, is in operation. They are very subtle things. But today I want to talk about the flesh. Because what, is, what could happen is that we begin to see the, a, a demon over everything. You can cast out a demon. You cannot cast out the flesh. You can crucify the flesh... You cannot crucify a demon. So for us as believers who have received Christ, we have to be sure that we understand clearly this carnal nature we have, that even after you got saved, your spirit man was saved, your soul is being renewed, but your flesh, your carnal nature, your body, it was exactly the same it was when you got saved. And that body, that flesh, that carnal nature ultimately decides if your spirit is strong or weak. Ultimately decides how your mind, which is your will, your emotions, your soul is your mind, your will and emotions, controls that. So if your flesh is very strong as a Christian, you will have problems emotionally, problems with being self-willed, Problems with your mind and your spirit will be underfed and be malnourished. So as a believer then, if you are born again, your job, your spirit is born again. But your job is to make sure your flesh is subdued. Because if not, even if you cast out the demon and you are still doing some things of the flesh, that demon is going to come back. Let's look at what the Bible says. Like I said earlier, that flesh, the flesh we have is the Judas on every, inside every one of us. Just like Jesus had a Judas among the twelve, inside you, you have a Judas. Inside you, you have a betrayer. It's the enemy within. We are fighting the ones without, but the one within is really who we want to conquer first before we really are able to deal with the one outside. 
This struggle that we all have it. We all have it. Nobody will tell me they don't have it. We all struggle in some areas where your flesh wants to dominate. Even the Apostle Paul that wrote to thirds of the gospel, look at what he says in Romans, 8, uh, Romans 7 verses 18 to 20 and then 24 to 25 in the New Living Translation. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I cannot. I want to do what is good, but I don't want to do what is wrong. But I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. Is that nature in me? Is that carnal nature, that flesh, that deposit from Adam, that's making me do it? He went back down in verse 24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. How many of you have felt that sometimes? You do it and you feel horrible. God, why? What is wrong with me? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin, by flesh and death? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But he says, thank God there is a remedy. Oh, God never leaves us without a remedy. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lost against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They can never be at peace with one another. One is going to always dominate. One is always going to lead. We make the decision. And it's not that hard to make the decision to let your spirit man dominate your carnal nature. It's not that difficult. It says in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and, and, and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against your soul. So inside of you, you have this war going on. This war going on between your spirit man and your soul. Because your carnal nature wants to take over. Now, how do you diagnose when the flesh is strong in a Christian's life? I'm so glad the Bible gives us answers to everything. If you want to have the answer to anything in life, pick up your Bible. Don't go pick up any self-help book or go to any self-help program. The Bible is what will give you your lasting help that you're looking for. Now, when we talk, talk about the works of the flesh, quickly your mind will go to sexual immorality. Everybody thinks, oh, works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uh, uh, pornography, blah, blah, blah. But let's read uh, a Romans. Let's look at the works of the flesh in um, Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. What I did was, as I put these things, I kind of put in parentheses what the, what the word means. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You hear that? It can be seen. So if you think it's hiding, because the works of the flesh affect your spirit man. So we can, by your spirit man, judge what's going on in your flesh. Am I making sense? The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, that is impurity. Lewdness means lustful pleasures. Idolatry, 
sorcery, hatred. Hatred just means hostility. Contentions means quarreling. The drama queen. The one who comes in and everything is just like, ah. Because they always have to be causing some kind of trouble. Jealousy. Outburst of anger. Outburst of wrath. Means somebody who is just angry all the time. Selfish ambitions. Just wanting to be, I have to be better than that person. I am better than that person. So ambitious, I have to get to the top of the ladder. Dissensions, causing quarrel, causing divisions. Heresies, envy, murder. Remember Jesus said, if you talk bad about a person, behind their back, if you gossip, he considered that as murder. So it's not when you take a gun or a knife and kill a human being and they stop breathing, no. When you gossip about somebody, when you talk about them behind their back, negative stuff, he considers that as murder. So now you see what we're talking about, works of the flesh. It's getting personal now. Now it's really getting down. We're like, oh, Jesus. Drunkenness. Reveries. Those are wild parties. And it says, and the like. So there are more things. Like I said last week, the Bible says, if you know to do the right thing, and you don't do it, what is it? Considered by a sin. But we are saying all this not to make us, oh, sin conscious, sin conscious, sin conscious. No! But for us to realize that there are some things that we should just not think is ordinary. We can just keep doing them because once you do that, that's where the deception comes. And I'll go to, when will let me keep going? Let me not go ahead of myself. The word there that I want to pick, he says, and the like of this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in the past, that those who practice, Underline that word. Practice. Such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the key word. That's where the freedom comes. It's practice. When you practice something, you're pra- I'm a practicing nurse practitioner. I practice. I've been doing it because I want to get better. I want to get better when I got my master's. I want to get better when I got my, my doctorate. So I can practice and get better at it. If you practice sin, it's the same thing. You do it, you get better at it, you keep doing it, you are not convicted, you don't repent. There's nobody like that here that, and this is not that, that I know of, maybe they are. That's the difference. God says it is when you practice these things. Now, there is struggle and there is practice. This will free a lot of us who are sin conscious. Practicing sin versus struggling against sin. The one who struggles is the one that falls into that sin and says, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Why did I do that again? God, please forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that about that lady. God, please forgive me. Help me, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. Put a lock on my mouth. Lord, my mouth, your word says life and death are from the lips. 
Lord, help my mouth to speak life and not death. To bring blessings to people and not curses. Because when you talk bad about people, you are cursing them. That person is struggling. And when you are struggling, God sees you are struggling, you repent. He says a righteous man may fall seven times, but what? He gets up again. When you struggle and God sees you are struggling, His grace and His mercy covers you. That's where when the grace message is being preached, that's what they miss. That is what they miss. Because grace, the grace message in some places says, just sin, just, just go ahead and do it because you've been saved and once saved, always saved. No, 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 no. Look at what Jesus says. He says, Matthew 7, 20, uh, 22 to 23. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonders in your name? And then he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Who? Did he say who struggled? It is who practiced. When you've done it to the point that the Holy Spirit convicts you, you don't listen. You do it again, the Holy Spirit convicts you, you don't care. You do it again, the Holy Spirit convicts you, you don't care. You do it the fifth time, the sixth time, the Holy Spirit speaks, your conscience is dead. You don't even hear the Holy Spirit anymore. And you keep doing it and very soon you justify it. You give excuses for it. After all, everybody's doing it. No, everybody's not doing it. You are the only one doing it. Everybody's not watching porn. Everybody's not doing all those stupid things. Everybody's not lying. Everybody's not gossiping. Everybody's not an angry person. So don't justify it because once you justify it, deception comes in. And once you're deceived, God cannot help you. Once you're deceived, nobody can help you. And then pride comes in and you will think you're better than other people. Because you see other people with the veil that you see yourself. And those are the ones that criticize people the most. Those that have big logs in their eyes. You are, those big logs in your eye, because of what you are doing, you think everybody else is doing it. You are the one that's, no, hey, this one is, hey, this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. You take the log out of your eyes. And then you can see clearly to tell me to take the pin out of my eye. Practicing versus struggling. If Jesus can tell you, if somebody acts, does something against you, forgive them. How many times? Seventy times seven. He's ready to forgive you. If you're struggling, I'm really struggling. I said, Lord, I'm struggling with this pornography, Lord. I don't want this in my life. Lord, I'm struggling with just this anger issue. I don't want it. And you cry before him. And you say, Lord, help me. And there are things to do. I'm, going to, I'm not going to stop until I finish. We are going to be here today. I have about 20 more minutes because I want to finish this. Next week, I want to talk about some other things that are very important. So it's the practicing that leads to spiritual death. The one who is struggling will get little victory. That is the difference. So if you have something in your life that you're struggling against, let me tell you what to do. Because the Bible gives us the answer to everything. Don't be afraid you will lose your salvation. I mean, your salvation is not a pair of keys that you lose. It's not your wallet that my purse, oh, I don't know where I kept it. No, 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 no. Nobody intentionally loses their salvation. 
It is very intentional. Those that backslide and lose their salvation, it is intentional. And you say, oh, oh, God is so just. God is so loving. He can't put anybody in hell. If you don't want to live with him here, if you don't want to live for him here, why do you think he wants to live with you? If you don't want to live for him now, you don't do anything for him now, you don't follow his, his laws now, he says do this, you do the opposite. But just because you came to the altar one day and said, God, I, I received Jesus into my heart. I am not saved. My name is written in the book of life. There's an eraser in heaven. There's an eraser that can erase that name out if you live like a devil. Let's say the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. In a week after this series, I'll come with a very loving message where we all can shout and... But now, let, let's, sometimes the, the, the pill is bitter, right? But those bitter pills are the ones that help us sometimes the most. If you don't want to live for him now, why does he want to live with you in eternity? Think about it. Is that fair? That's why the Bible says God is just. He's very just. If you don't live for him now, you don't live with him now, you don't follow him now, he won't want to live with you. Talking about struggling and practicing. Judas versus Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. But when Jesus came to him, he was repentant. Cried and whatever, and God restored him. Judas did the same thing. He he, he sold him. If Judas had gone to Jesus, fallen on his face and said, forgive me, he would have been forgiven. But he was not repentant. David and Saul. David committed more sins, actually, than Saul did. He committed adultery, and then he killed the woman, the woman's husband. Gave a letter to the army, the chief of the army, to say, okay, make sure you put the man in front of the battle where it is hardest, so that he can be killed. That is wickedness. But when Nathan, the prophet, came and said, see what God said. He was on the floor, begging God, please don't take your spirit away from me. Please, God, don't take your spirit away from me. Oh, God, please forgive me. He asked for forgiveness, and he was so repentant that, think about it. Jesus is called the son of David. David is called the apple of God's eye. A man that killed somebody, that committed adultery, called the eye of God, apple of God's eye, and it's from a lineage that Jesus came. Jesus is called the son of David. What was the difference then between Saul and him? Saul committed a sin, but he didn't repent. He was making excuses. It's the people that made me do what I did. The same thing with Adam and Eve. God came, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? They hid. What did you do? Oh, Eve made me do it. Eve, uh, uh, the serpent, made me do it. Nobody took responsibility. So that's the difference between practicing and struggling. And when God sees that you're struggling, these following things, if you start to do them, you will have victory. The first one is reckon yourself dead to the desires of the flesh. Romans 6, 11 says, Likewise, you also 
Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to Christ. So that's your spiritual position. You must take in your head. I might be lying, but in my, in my spirit man, that lying spirit, that flesh has been crucified with Christ. My flesh has been crucified with Christ. I am not a liar. I will not tell lies. You have to have that standpoint. In your mind, you have to see your flesh crucified with Christ on the cross. Start from that revelation that God, with the death of Jesus, he has removed the power of that lie, that lying, that anger, that gossiping, whatever it is, the power has been removed. That even if you are dealing with it, it does not have that power to keep you under control. And then number two, don't let the flesh reign. In Genesis 25:23, we saw Rebekah was pregnant. And the Lord said to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve who? The younger. Inside of us, we all are pregnant with two natures. Your old nature and your new nature. And God says your new nature should dominate. The younger one, the younger nature, your spiritual man that was just born again, should dominate that old nature you got from Adam. That should be the way it will be. But you will have to yield and suppress and subject and make that old nature yield. And dethrone your flesh. And the way you do that is by scriptures. Find the area you're struggling. Find a script, even if it's just one scripture. Find that one scripture. Anything that thing wants to come, the temptation comes, start quoting that scripture. Start quoting that scripture. Start quote. And as you do that, the desire for that thing becomes less and less and less. That's how you do it. And then it says, number three, present your body to God. Romans 6, 12 to 14 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but what? Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For then sin will not have dominion over you. It says present your body. What does that mean? Present your members, present your body. It just means Present your body to God in reading your Bible. Present your body to God in studying the word and prayer. Present your body to church to assemble with believers. Take your body away from people who don't glorify God. Just carry yourself away. That wasn't it. Present your body. Your body. Present it. And as you do that, believe me, it's a fight. Your body does not want to be presented to God. Your body wants to be presented to pleasure. You want to read the Bible, that's when you're going to fall, want to fall asleep. But present your body. Say, b- tell your body, body, you will not rule me. I will rule you. Body, you don't have what you say. I, I'm going to dominate you. You will not dominate me. And as you do that over and over, and it's intentional. You're not going to fall into it. You set the time and say, okay, every day for these 30 minutes, I'm going to sit down and read the Bible. Every day for these 30 minutes or how many minutes, 10 minutes, I'm going to pray. Even if your body is screaming, you say your body, scream all you want. I'm going to do it. 
And anything you do for six weeks becomes a habit. Just hang in there. Keep doing it. After six weeks, you will miss it. And once you do that, the last thing is walking in the Spirit. Because as you spend time with God, and as you spend time in the Word, and as you fellowship with other believers, and as your things that come out, you think of all those good things, you walk in the Spirit. The Bible says, I say to you in Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Once you're doing that, the Holy Spirit now, your, body, your, your spirit is very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Walking in Him, that means the whole, this is the Holy Spirit and you are inside of Him. If He says, go here, you go there. If He says, come here, you come here. If He says, stop, you stop. He controls you. Everything you do. When you live that way, only, you can only get there when you've presented yourself to God. Because the Holy Spirit now knows He can speak to you and you're sensitive to hearing Him. That you are now willing to listen to him. Amen? Amen. Are you getting something out of this? Your flesh will still have his desires. Your flesh will still have his desires. And I believe God did it for a purpose. To make you a man to be spirit, soul, and body. Because he knows that for you to follow him, you have to subject and subdue your flesh. It's an act of your will. Nobody will do it for you. Because that door that comes in, that the enemy uses, is through that traitor, that betrayer that is inside of you. And you must subdue it. You must not let your flesh rule. You are a child of God. You have the Spirit of God in you. You have the Word of God in you. You are seated above the enemy. Why would the enemy be the one making you to do what you don't want to do? Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Just everyone stand up to your feet this morning. Before we even go anywhere, before we ask for you to come out for prayer, ask those that need to be delivered from one thing or the other to come out, the most important thing, and for you watching on TV or watching online, the most important thing, is for you to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't, you already belong to the kingdom of the enemy. So today, I believe this message, and I pray this message, God has used it to pull at the strings of your heart, to make you love him, to make you desire to love him, to make you desire, uh-uh, I don't want to be in the kingdom of that that does those to people. So if you're here today, you've never received Christ. With our eyes closed, everybody, your eyes closed, your head bowed. If you're here today, you say, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Can I see your hand up? Just quickly raise it up and put it down. Just quickly raise it up and put it down. Praise God. Everybody here has received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Wonderful. But for those watching us on TV, in Nigeria, in whatever country you're watching us, would you just bow your heads with us as we pray and say after us, as we both declare here in, in the sanctuary here and with you over where you are, stretch your hand towards the TV and say, Dear Lord Jesus, today I ask you to come into my life. I open the door of my heart to you, Jesus. Come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I thank you that you have given me the power today 
to live for you. And I will live for you and make you the Lord of my life all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And if you're here, you need to be prayed for, for anything, if you're sick in the body, if there's something you need us to pray to get out, there's no need to be ashamed. Please, we are going to be here. If you want to make an appointment to see me during the office hours, let me know. I really want to be available and we'll get start training more people. And if you have friends, you have relatives, they are dealing with something, invite them to church. Tell them there is a place where you can be helped. We can help them. We really can. So as the prayer partners come out, the music is playing very softly. I want you, if you need prayers for anything, financial problems, you have emotional issues, you have anything, any health problems, you want somebody to agree and pray with you, please come out and, and have them pray with you.